Voice of the Orange, Matt Park with us here on the Burdick Toyota Guest Line on the block ESPN Radio. Matt, how are you, sir? I'm good, Brent. How are you? I'm great. Hanging in there. It's good to hear your voice again. It was great to see and hear your voice Saturday. <laughs> what an event, Matt. I mean, look, that was just what Syracuse fans needed. It felt like for the first time in a month since that North Carolina game, like you watched a sporting event, even though it was an old sporting event, but it felt like kind of that feeling of watching a real live sporting event. What an incredible day. Tell us how that came together and how all those voices and players and people involved in 2003's national championship game came together. Yeah, well, it was uh, a great team effort and a lot of fun. And I think we're all a little taken aback by just how much people felt like it scratched their itch that uh, it's been a, a tough go here, obviously in the last month for a lot of people in many ways. And uh, it was great just the way that it kind of fit in. We know that Syracuse basketball is a really important thing in this community. And and uh, I'm overwhelmed by the number of people that have kind of reached out to talk about how much they enjoyed it and everything. Uh, you know, I'm sure like you, Brad, and maybe some of your, your listeners, but those of us that are in the media, and this is kind of what you do on a regular basis, I've spent hours every day on Twitter and just, watching television and, and kind of catching up on some other things, but just seeing a lot of what's out there and, and uh, there's all these classic games on. So we've enjoyed those in various ways. And I kind of live tweeted the six overtime game and, and some other things and just saw that there was a market and people enjoyed, you know, kind of mixing it up. Uh, really one of the things that started to put this in my head was Steve Lapis, who's a great guy, former uh, Villanova uh, head coach, but he was an assistant on the 85 team there in the national championship game. And that was rebroadcast recently by CBS. And he did a great job taking the Villanova fans and anybody that followed his account into what was happening on their bench and what coach Massimino said in the locker room and the twists and turns of a game that was played 35 years ago. And I started thinking when I saw that they were going to re-air the, the O3 game, look, I think that this there's a market for us to do it. And simultaneously, we've been getting more accustomed to it, as you said, Zoom and, and uh, Teams and all these different interfaces that people are using more now. I've been teaching on Zoom and I'm starting to learn the bells and whistles a little. So I thought, all right, why don't we see if we can put together a show on Zoom and, and then we'll figure out how to share it. And, and Facebook Live ended up uh, being the choice. But as far as the, the batting order, I mean, Obviously, you hope to get anything that we could have gotten out of the Bayheim house would would have been welcome. As it turned out, I think, you know, Buddy and Julie did a great job of setting it up, and, and Coach was in a, a great spirit in terms of what he, he shared over the course of the night. So that was a tent pole and, and said, hey, we'll, we're going to keep them up the whole time, and we'll take whatever we can get. I, I went to Jerry McNamara first, and I said, look, this thing doesn't really make sense unless you can participate. And he was great about it. And in, especially given the, the, all the activity that's in his house with four young kids and, and he and Katie uh, holding it together there. So Jerry would plan to maybe only have on for the first half, but as it turned out, it was really ruminating well there and, and marinating. And so he kind of stayed in and, and all the way through. So then, um, I don't know, between Pete Moore and myself, we kind of reached out to the others. Uh, I think, you know, I started on Craig, people that I, I thought would be easy to run down, Craig Forth and, 
and some others, and, and Pete got a hold of, uh, I got Josh Pace, and Pete got uh, Hack, and Troy Weaver, and uh, actually Mike Hopkins was one of the first to say that he would do it. I was very pleased with that, because uh, a lot of the other texts said to him, don't get answered, or responded <laughs> to. Um, so we started just kind of building momentum, and I think once I w- we were able to say, reach out to people and say, look, Bayheim's in, Jerry's in, Hop's in, then that kind of got it going. Um, the the mellow thing was really a surprise. I think Thule was able to forward the link onto him and get him un- involved. So, uh, and then on the execution end of it, well, first of all, I should give a big shout out to Tom White um, in our engineering department, formerly of Time Warner and Spectrum. He kind of uh, added some secret sauce in order to to make the bells and whistles work in an optimal way. So that was fantastic. And then I just tried to stay out of the way and, and, um, and let it cook a little bit and let the guys talk amongst themselves. Amongst themselves. I'm glad you answered some of those technical questions, in particular the Bayheim angle, because uh, we're not telling tales out of school here, Matt. He's, he, he's allergic to technology. He's the first <laughs> one to tell you he's allergic to technology. Yeah. So, Buddy and Julie, thank you for doing that, because as you said, he was in good spirits. It was fun. You know, breaking chops on the players in certain moments. Like Akeem Warwick showed up late to the thing. He's like, that was the same thing that happened in the game, right, in 2003 when he had the ultimate moment. In Hack's defense, and and I had been texting with him leading up to it, we'd basically arranged, I didn't want to overindulge on Jerry if he wasn't able to stay. So I'd kind of broken it down. Jerry first half, Hack second half. Uh, Weaver first half, Hopkins second half. But guys, you know, join early if they see that it's going well. And, and Hack, it took a little while to get him through in terms of the, the link and figuring out uh, Zoom on his end. So I don't remember when he actually got there, but it was obviously plenty. And, and we were going to focus on him in the second half anyway. And they, you needed him in the second half for sure. And to hear him say that, you know, since we're watching too much Frozen and everything, like, I was just saying this a few minutes ago, Matt. So here you have all these players and coaches and, and people involved in this game, they're all in separate locations, but technology united them together. And I was struck by how many people that were on this feed had never rewatched this game or only had seen parts of it. Mike Hopkins saying he had never watched it from start to finish. Coach Beheim. I mean, I don't was there anybody there that had watched that game in full? It seemed like everybody was experiencing this again, start to finish for the first time uh, since that night. Yeah, I think that's more common than you think. I don't think I'd ever watched it until the day before. Um, I watched it on Friday off YouTube just to kind of prepare myself for the twi- the turns. That's kind of what I was saying. Hey, we need to have Josh Pace on the on the Zoom call at this time because this is when he comes in and makes this play. And Billy Packer said this about Craig Forth. I'd love to get his reaction. That, that part of it didn't really work out. But uh, that, that was sort of my hope. Um, but yeah, I think those guys, I'm a little surprised if you were a player on a national championship team that you wouldn't at some point dedicate some time to go back and look at it. But if I've watched it, I, I certainly don't recall it. So I think it was my first time too. And, you know, guys like Quest and whatever, they got on with their life, you know, and, and, uh, it's, yes, those things are on YouTube now, but not, not always. And, and uh, it's not always as easy to find that stuff. So uh, really cool to, to bring them, to give them the opportunity for that to happen. Matt Park, the voice of the Orange, with us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse on the Burdick Toyota guest line. Matt, what did you learn about that night and that game from being a part of this broadcast? Uh, I don't know anything about the game. I, I think you hit on it uh, in your open. 
in terms of the idea of making that type of content now, the reason that it works is it just wouldn't be like this at any other time really in our history. Right now, nobody's got anything going on. Everybody's got cabin fever. The idea of having some sort of camaraderie or community uh, is important, and that's what you saw happen. You think you're going to get Carmelo Anthony to be on a phone call or a face chat for your uh, FaceTime for two hours? No, he's, <laughs> right now he's just got. What else is he doing? He's got nothing else going on, and it's low input on their part. If they didn't really want to speak up, they didn't have to, um, and so. Zoom and Teams and whatever you know, go to meeting. Whatever your your proven your choices on those things is great. The, the technology allowed for a platform for this kind of conversation, so that wasn't a surprise. Um, but I, I, that was all kind of by design to to get everybody together in that way, and and I thought that was really the the fun part of it. Um, you know, I don't make too much of the, the conversation itself. I know everybody wants to get excited about. Kevin Durant and all that. I I find that stuff interesting. I just don't go too far, you know, uh, in terms of what they were saying in that forum. So, Matt, take me back to, it, it seems like years ago, but it was just a few weeks ago when you're in Greensboro for the tournament. We had certainly a thought in our head that this would not go through to the end, right? But they were still playing. Syracuse plays one of their best games of the season, if not the best game of the season, against Carolina. And then the next day, the sports world shuts down, including the ACC tournament. What was it like to go from watching that game, calling that game on March the 12th to March 13th, the whole sports world goes on pause? Yeah, it was certainly strange. Uh, The North Carolina game itself, uh, our position in Greensboro was right next door to ESPN Radio. And, And I know those guys a little bit, and so we're kind of chatting just on a social level to begin with. But then... As the game kind of unfolds, the Rudy Gobert news comes down, and then uh, Justin Ware, the producer for ESPN, turns to us because he's got his computer up and he mouths, you know, NBA shut down. And that was the big game changer. And he starts alerting the ESPN people on TV in front of him, and and that was the kind of the ripple effect of, of stuff going through. And, I, you know, at that point, we're enjoying a great game and, and maybe the, the team's best performance of the year. But at the same time, you're bracing for, at minimum, this is the last game that's going to be played in front of the public. So maybe we're going to have a game tomorrow with nobody here, which is, I, I kind of wish that that went on. I totally understand why it didn't. But I'd like to sort of experience what that would be like one time. And uh, maybe it'll be like that going going forward. Who knows? But um uh, but then the next day, certainly as things unfolded, uh, no surprise that they pulled the plug prior to the, the quarterfinals getting going, and, and now everybody knows uh, the rest. It was a matter of figuring out how to get home, and we've been kind of hunkered down since. There's a lot of things I miss right now, but one of the, the big what-ifs to me, and maybe we'll get to answer this question next year in 2021, depending on who comes back, who takes advantage of that eligibility granted, and, and what the future holds here, but I think both the men's and women's lacrosse teams were on to something special. No, I totally agree. They both were national title contenders. I mean, they more or less are every year, but this year in particular, they legitimately, the men were number one. The women very well could have been. They just kind of got too big of a hole against uh, Stony Brook. So I guess they, their ceiling would have been number two, probably behind North Carolina. But they would have a chance to have played them 
what next week that game would have been uh, at CBA. So, uh, and you know, n- nobody looked like they were stopping the circus women this year for the most part. So they would have had a great year. The men. So I feel badly about that. And then the problem is, it might be a positive for Syracuse. I don't know. There's so much uncertainty related to next season that the formula is just scrambled. Uh, you're going to have 50-year seniors. You're going to have, you know, freshmen that may have been recruited to come in and take the spot of some of these people. And and do they get more of a role at another school than they do here? Are they going to open up more uh, transfers this summer? And there's just so much uncertainty with everything related to next school year that uh, I wouldn't even know where to start uh, guessing and speculating on that stuff. So uh, pretty interesting, definitely disappointing as far as those guys are concerned, but uh, they, they know they can, as far as half of the season, they were as good as anybody. Well, Matt, thanks for your time today. Thanks for your efforts in putting that together on Saturday. It was amazing to watch. There's a replay, right, in case uh, people missed it, I should mention. Yes, they've put the uh, you know the file, the end, end product is, is up on uh, com, so people can check it out there. Excellent. Matt, thank you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, can't wait to see you again, my friend. All right, Brent, appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, hope the same for everybody. If they're healthy and uh, taking care of themselves, and hopefully we get back to normal here fairly soon. Not doing much of anything right now, but hopefully that'll change soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Brianna Stewart is back with us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Stewie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. And I, I got to ask you, so we were chatting a little bit during the break. So you're in Seattle. Yep. Now, back in the day, legend has it, uh, in your old neighborhood, you you would dribble around the neighborhood, right? Yes. I was going to say, yep. like, that's all you can do these days, right? Like, you can't, <laughs> like, how are you working out? How are you staying in shape? What are you doing to get ready for the season uh, when it comes? Yeah, I mean, things have uh, kind of uh, flipped upside down a little bit. Um, I'm doing a lot of home workouts. Uh, I have a Peloton, uh, so bike workouts, yoga, Pilates. Uh, I'm fortunate that in my in my condo we have a weight room, and, and as of right now it's still open, but you can only have five people in there at a time, so I can still kind of use some free weights. Um, and then, you know, just, just being creative with things, running outside, and um, it's just a thing where basketball is on hold right now. You know, I, I can't get to a gym uh, for safety reasons. Outdoor parks still, you know, aren't, aren't recommended. And uh, like you said, leading into this, I'm trying to flatten this curve in any way I can. Now, you're in Seattle. How long have you been out there uh, during uh, everything being shut down? Um, so I I got here 20 days ago. Okay. Because it's um, been pretty been, bad out there, right? So what what kind of situation did you find yourself coming back to? Because it seemed like for a while, Washington, Seattle was, was a real hot spot for this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I came back kind of after that first wave that, that, that hit Washington. Um, I was in Russia, actually. So, you know, a lot happened in the beginning of March. And I was playing one day, and then the next it was like season's over, going home type of thing. Um. But it's just spooky, you know. You go out on the street, it's quiet. You know, you only see people walking their dogs. Um, not very many cars. And, you know, I think the the outbreak that happened early here in Seattle kind of, you know, made people aware of, of what needs to happen. And people have been following the, the stay-at-home guidelines. So you mentioned you were in Russia and came back. And we're talking about trying to stay in shape. But for you... 
you know, Stewie, this has got to be frustrating because you know you had the injury, you were ready to come back. We saw the videos that you were putting online. Games looking good. It's like okay, I'm ready yep. to go, and it's like okay, mm-hmm. we hit the pause button here. So they're making you uh, get that that sweet satisfaction of coming back to the game. We're pushing it down the road a little bit, but man, when you come back, it's really going to feel good, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of crazy, you know, how things are kind of working out. Um, you know, in probably nine or ten days is a year from when I got injured. And now to think, you know, a year later, I'm back, and now I can't play because of uh, COVID-19. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's making me miss the game even more. But I had a little um, sense of satisfaction when I was playing in Russia. Uh, and now, you know, the biggest thing for me is, like, when I can't do much is making sure that my leg continues to um, get stronger and, and be ready for whenever they say we are able to get back on the court. Now, uh, the latest date that I saw from the WNBA was things are delayed till at least May 15th, and, and that's, of course, an evolving situation. So yep. let's look towards that date. But let's just say, for argument's sake, Stewie, they said today, okay, we got the all clear, you can play again. Realistically, mm-hmm. how long do you think it would take the team to kind of get into shape, practice, and be ready to go to start playing games? Yeah, I mean, I think for for women's basketball players, this is kind of a, a different circumstance because we're used to playing, you know, going from overseas right to WNBA, not needing much of a training camp, so to say. But, you know, now you're thinking teams, teams are going to need three weeks. You know, you're going to need two or three weeks to kind of get back into the swing of things because, you know, there's no way to get in basketball shape unless you're playing basketball. And the same thing is going to go for the NBA. If if they um, have the opportunity to come back this season, you know, they're going to need a training camp, which is going to be weird. You're going to have a training camp leading into uh, the end of regular season or playoffs or whatever they're going to do. Brianna Stewart's our guest here live from Seattle as uh, we're talking about everything she's trying to do here during the sports shutdown and looking forward to the WNBA season. And, and let's let's discuss that, Brianna, when you've got early thoughts on this Storm team and the season you want to have. What, what, are, what do you look at there? What kind of team do you think you can have when you get back on the court? Um, I, I'm really looking forward to, to the team that we have. I think that you know, there's a lot of um, bright spots. You know, you look at last year, Sue and I both didn't play, but we had a lot of people stepped up, second-year players stepped up, you know, took on a bigger role, and um, that development is going to help for whenever we are able to get back on the court. And I think that, you know, we have some pieces that we traded for this offseason, uh, bringing Morgan Tuck to uh, Seattle. Obviously, she was my UConn teammate, and now having him be out in Seattle is really exciting. And, um. You know, you can see that all these WNBA teams have gotten better over the past year and past two years since since I was on the court, and, you know, we need to do the same. I don't know if you saw what LeBron James tweeted. But, uh, I did. You did see that. See, yeah, yeah, I saw it. we're in this world of, you know, virtual games and what-if scenarios and, and kind of these these dream tournaments to have. So for those that didn't see it, I'll tell the, the, the audience briefly, Brianna. So LeBron James retweeted something that was out there about this matchup that could have taken place between South Carolina and Tennessee. It's an SEC thing, but he interjected and said, no, 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 no. We need to see Stewie, Sue Bird, Maya Moore, Rebecca Lobo, and Deanna, uh, Diana Taurasi, pardon me, take on Tamika Catchings, Kelly Harper, Shamika Holdsclaw, 
Carol Lawson and Candace Parker from Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, let's go. I, even if that's on at, at, on PlayStation, I'd I'd love to see that matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think um, when you when you just read it out loud like that, you know, it's it's crazy. You have the the best of of the best five players from each university, uh, so to speak, and you know, matching up. UConn versus Tennessee, obviously big time rival back in the day. Um, it would it would be cool, but yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely understood where where LeBron was coming from. Uh, I'm not sure that that uh, Tennessee team could be compared to uh, South Carolina just because you know those players. I mean, Timmy Kikuchi just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. You know. When you look at this year, South Carolina did look like that squad that was ready to take it, but I think maybe Sabrina Ionescu in Oregon would have something to say about that, too. Yeah, you know, I think that um, if there was going to be March Madness this year, it would have been um, it would have been exciting. You know, Sabrina, obviously everybody knows um, about her and her triple-doubles and the way she's kind of led Oregon back to um, – the spotlight and you know South Carolina obviously I think they finished the year number one and it would have been it would have been interesting I was looking forward to watching you know obviously UConn is always hanging around there you know seeing what they would have done in March and um, you know I feel for the seniors to be honest like that's that's something that I can't even imagine my senior year if someone told me I couldn't play um, in the NCAA tournament I would have been really upset yeah, she came back, it seemed, just for that shot to win a championship, so you really feel for her there. But at the same time, I, I feel like she's the most anticipated player to come into the WNBA in years, certainly since you came into the league four years ago. How is her game going to translate uh, to the pro level right out of the shoot for her? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the maturity that she has, you know, her, her basketball IQ, you know, those things are going to translate right away because, you know, the game... Um, is staying the same. You know, you're just playing with bigger, stronger, smarter people. Um, but, you know, where she was going to be, where she most likely is going to be drafted to, uh, New York, obviously. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be able to put her in a lot of great situations. And, you know, um, having that roster and kind of, you know, giving her an opportunity to, to kind of have the green light which will be nice. Stewie, thinking of those those kind of dream matchups and some things we've seen on Twitter, I had to ask you about this one, too. So they did the all-time UConn run, and it was you against Diana Taurasi for the championship. You took that home. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that the right vote? Did that come out the right way in that one? I, 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 I'm fine with it. I think that was good. I mean, that's that's a lot of great players, certainly, in, in a tournament of UConn alone. But uh, I think they picked the right choice there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna say I agree with it, but I think it's, I think it's a tough comparison, you know. Um, like when I think of Diana Taurasi, you think of the greatest, you know, and that's that's where <clears throat> by the end of my career, that's where I want to be, you know, I want to be at that top of that pedestal um, with her. And I think I had a little bit of an advantage, you know. I have social media, and she doesn't, so who knows what would have happened if it was um, even in, in that perspective been four years since 2016 that anniversary just passed uh this this weekend as a matter of fact mm-hmm. and you know the, the further you get away from it and and look back on it and these anniversaries pop up on social media you're certainly reminded of it a lot but 
now that we're here four years later, what when you look back on that time at UConn, particularly that last year and that last run, what are the things that really stand out to you? Um, you know, when I think back to, to my senior year and, and that final run, um, it was really just, just how much we enjoyed it. And I think that's the thing. You know, we all knew that it was eventually going to come to an end, and we wanted to make sure that we enjoyed that season as much as possible. And, you know, when we went into the interior tournament run, um, we had a lot of fun. And, and like you said, you know, I've seen a lot of the videos popping up from, from this past weekend. You know, my mom's telling me, like, she's getting the notifications on Facebook. Um, but those videos, just, like, how much fun we had, how excited we were for one another. Um you know, I miss that, and I miss uh, being with that team and a part of that that culture um, every day. When you were getting ready to play Syracuse, it was a quick turnaround, and you're focused on whoever would have been put out there. But, uh, boy, sometimes sports just knows how to write a script, and the fact that your mm-hmm. final game was against Syracuse, that's, that's still something I think a lot of people look back on fondly. Yeah. I mean, I think that the same. I don't think it could have been written any any better. Um, you know, to be able to play my final game against my hometown team, um, you know, you, you don't know why some things work out the way that they do, but but they do. And um, it's a moment that, you know, I like really enjoyed and cherished the experience. Obviously, happy for Syracuse to, to get that far, but... Uh, still, you know, I have to say I want to come away with with the championship. <laughs> yeah, you had some business to take care of that night, and, and certainly did. Uh, speaking of Syracuse, Brianna, how how much have you followed the story out here uh, of Tiana Mangakaihia and her battle back from cancer? And she's been putting up some videos herself on social media. It looks like her game's rounding back into form, and when we can play games again, it seems like there's a hell of a comeback story ready to happen here in Syracuse with her. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been following Tiana's story since um, <clears throat> last summer. I think when when the news uh, initially broke, obviously, uh, I think she was before then and and was following her career because she had uh, a great year at Syracuse the year before. Uh, but you know, I think she she's determined and she's motivated to to come back even stronger. And you know, when you go through something like that. Um, I can't relate to it, obviously, but the strength you have to, to fight cancer uh, makes um, fighting on the basketball court easy. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I'm just looking forward to what he's going to do next year um, with Syracuse. And she'll be, join, she'll be joining you in the WNBA uh, someday, it seems, as well. But after uh, one more year here at the Q's, and we can't wait to see that play out. Well, Stewie, uh, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time. Stay safe, stay healthy out there, and uh, it's great to chat with you, but I can't wait to see you on the court again because that means we're playing sports again and the world's going to get back to normal a little bit here. Yeah, thanks for having me.